Isaiah 42, 16, which says, I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. In paths they do not know, I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them and rugged places into plains. These are the things I will do, and I will not leave them undone. What a great verse. Father, thank you for <clears throat> this great promise. I know, Lord, to an ancient people, but to us as well, because Paul said the things that were written before were written for us. And Lord, we receive these words today as a promise from you to us that you will lead us in places we do not know, in paths we do not know, and that you will make darkness into light and rugged places into plains. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> when I was 19 years old, I worked on a cattle ranch in Colorado. Um, I, the size of the ranch was about 20,000 acres, and the man who owned it, Clyde Sammons was his name, was in his 80s at the time that I worked for him. And he lived on this ranch, he had lived on this ranch since in the early 1900s, I think around 1911 or 1912. Uh, he had uh, helped with his family, homesteaded that place, and uh, so he was in his teens when he started, um, when, he, when, he was first, when he first came to this ranch. And he knew the place like the back of his hand. He knew every square inch of this place. And one day I was driving him around in a pickup. He had me drive so he could look for cattle. We were, and, and it was in the wintertime, and there was snow covering the grounds everywhere, everywhere. Everywhere you looked, there was snow everywhere. And all of a sudden, we find out, found ourselves in the middle of a blizzard, and I experienced my first whiteout. And I'd been to uh, to. to uh, in two or three after that, but um, that was my first time to experience a whiteout. And so I immediately put on the brakes because when you're in a whiteout, you, you lose all sense of direction. You, there's no landmarks. You can't see anything. It's, everything's white everywhere you look, you, except for your immediate surroundings in the pickup. Everything else is white, no matter which direction you look, up, down, ground, everything. And uh, I started feeling anxious on the inside. Which direction should I go? What choices do I have? And the only thing that kept me from going into complete panic was I had Clyde with me. Clyde, this man who had, was in his 80s, had been on this ranch for, you know, almost, what, 60-plus years. Surely he can show us the way out and get us safely back home. Let me ask you something. Do you ever feel that way? Sort of as this verse describes, you, do you feel like you're lost? And do you feel no sense of direction in your life? God says here, I will lead the blind by a way they do not know, implying that we don't know. In paths they do not know, I will guide them, implying we don't know. I will make darkness into light before them, implying we're in darkness sometimes. In rugged places into plains. Does that describe your life sometimes, rugged places? Lori came into my office yesterday morning 
and asked me, as she often does, she'll say, she asked me, she said, do you know what you're preaching on? And I said, I responded, I said, I don't know. She had asked me later on that night, if she had asked me just before we went to bed, do you know what you're preaching on? My response would have been the same. I don't know. If she had asked me as I was walking out the door this morning to come to church, what are you preaching on? I would have said, I don't know. Let me explain. All week long, I seem to have had preacher's block, sort of like writer's block. I've, I've, it's, it's not an unusual thing. I often have preacher's block in, in the sense that, you know, in the early part of the week, I often don't know what I'm going to be preaching on. Sometimes I'll even announce on a Sunday I'll be doing part two next week, and I have no clue what I'm going to say. You know, I just announce it and just kind of go on record and, and just uh, do it. But as the week wears on, usually I begin to feel in my spirit what I'm supposed to preach. But this week, it just wasn't coming together. It just, I was praying, I was searching, I was reading. I got into the Psalms and started reading and asking God to speak to me and reveal to me. And I was doing more praying and I was getting nothing and getting nowhere and hearing nothing and I do what I often do when, when I have times like that. Sometimes I'll just sit down and I'll begin to write. And I'll just begin to write what's on my heart. Random thoughts. What am I going through? What, what do I need? What do I need to hear from God? And, and as, I, as I did all that and I looked at that page uh, after I was done, I looked it over and I thought, no, this isn't it. <laughs> this isn't it. Uh, nothing inspired me. Now, let me just say that I've been doing what I do for long enough that I could preach on practically anything. I've even had family members. Last time Anna and the kids were here, they said, I dare you tomorrow when you preach on a Saturday, they said, I dare you to, to use this word, and they gave me some random word, some weird word. I said, I'll work that into my message. I've gotten where I can preach on practically anything. Not that they told me what to preach. They just said, use this word somewhere in your sermon, which I did. And uh, I said, it can't be a cuss word. It can't be, you know, I had some rules. But, uh, but I, I, could, I could just randomly open the Bible and look at a verse, and I could preach on that, just randomly. But that's not what I do. I, that's not how I operate. I don't, it's always been important to me to hear from God, or at least know in my spirit what God wants to say to me and to us. So it's not a matter of just saying, oh, let me just come up with something. Let me just come up with some random thought or random idea. I don't do that. I never have done that, and I, I never will do that. I always try to seek what God wants to say. So Saturday morning, I get up, and I've had this, this preacher's block all week long. Saturday morning, I get up, and I'm clueless, and I, and I just, just simply told God, I said, God, I don't know. And God said, there it is. That's your message. I don't know. So when Lori asked me yesterday morning, what are you going to preach on? I said, I don't know. <laughs> that was my message. And then she had asked me later on, what are you going to preach on? I don't know. Title of my message is, I don't know. Okay, what am I preaching on this morning? I don't know. <laughs> Often in our lives, we just don't know, right? Often in our lives, 
You know, that would be our answer to a lot of life's biggest questions, right? If someone asked you life's biggest questions, you'd say, I don't know. I don't know. When I went to G42 this time, and, it, and this happens a lot, but I was told by Gary, uh, one of the directors of G42, you know, they said, we've set them up. You know, they, they're expecting you not only for what you're going to teach, but we've told them, you know, for weeks now, if they ask us a question, say, wait till Michael Derringer gets here. And I was supposed to be the answer man. And, and, and that's, that's a huge responsibility, but I've always told the students, I don't mind you asking any question you want to ask me, as long as you don't mind me saying sometimes I don't know, because I don't know sometimes. And, I, and I've, and I've also told them that I feel like the older I get, the less I know, and also that I have more questions than I have answers. And so I find myself a lot of times saying, I just, I don't know. But if I don't know the answer to something or to some of their questions, I usually go home and try to find the answer and try to get back to them through email or text or whatever. Listen, we live in a time where we can easily find answers to most practical problems. We can find the answers to many questions on Google or YouTube, right? I mean, we live in, in such an information age that there's very little that we can come across in a, on a practical level that we can't find some kind of answer <clears throat> on the Internet. I, I saw a cartoon a number of years ago where a man was pushing himself away from his computer desk and his hair was frazzled and he had big bags under his eyes. You could see empty coffee cups scattered around his desk and he's sitting there in his undershirt and his boxer shorts and he announces to his wife, he says, well, I've done it. I've explored the entire internet. Now, you and I know, both know that that is impossible. If you've ever sat down and, and gotten trapped into following links that follows another link, and, you know, I, I can sit there for half an hour looking at YouTubes on random stuff that most of the time I don't even care anything about, but you get kind of hooked into that and get trapped into it. You can kind of watch them. But the point is that, you know, it's a joke because according to analysts, that's completely impossible. That not only is the internet growing by leaps and bounds every single second, you know, material is being added. I, I read, and some of the numbers just boggle the mind, they're talking exobytes, you know, uh, worth of information. I, I don't even know what that number is. <clears throat> and, and, and there's so much information on the internet that I've looked at a couple of analysts, and some say that it takes would take many lifetimes, more, li more time than we have in our entire life to read the entire Internet. Uh, some say a thousand years. One guy calculated as more than a million years it would take just to read what is currently. If, if information stopped on the Internet right now, it would take a thousand to a million years. And I know that's a big gap, but it depends on the, what kind of analysis they did. But at least a thousand years is a lot longer than... Any of us are going to have, of course. No man's ever lived to be a thousand years. So the point is, you might find practical answers to your questions on the Internet, but you will not find the kinds of answers to questions that keep you up at night. Those kinds of questions, the, the questions that worry and plague you, 
The things that we just prayed about, that Lori just prayed about, those kinds of things that happen in our life that we have questions about and, and you know, we don't know. We don't know what the answer is. And I know that right now many of you, if not all of you, are facing things where you could legitimately say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Worldly knowledge doesn't answer life's toughest questions. Google does not answer life's toughest questions, nor does YouTube. I came across a statistic earlier this week about the ocean. I guess it's, is it ocean, something ocean month, some kind of, you know, there's earth, earth month or earth day or whatever. It's like ocean day or something where we supposed to contemplate you know how important the ocean is and it and it truly is but even though the oceans cover most of our planet we've only explored about five percent of it isn't that isn't that crazy Hmm. and there's a similar statistic for the rest of the universe that astronomers have only discovered about four percent of the universe imagine that We've only scratched the surface. And all of the knowledge that we've accumulated, you could say the Internet could perhaps be said to contain the entirety of all human knowledge. And yet with that too, we've only scratched the surface. We don't know everything. Now, I've, I've met a, p- a few people in my life, in my lifetime, who think they know everything, right? <laughs> You've met those kind of people that think they know everything about everything. But the truth is, no human being knows all. You take any expert in his or her field. We had a guy come to our church uh, many years ago. You might remember him, David Barton. Uh, he's, he's brilliant when it comes to the, uh, the United States Christian history. He's the go-to guy. I mean, he's made the news. He's been on talk shows and everything. He's been, been everywhere. He's been, he was in our church a number of years ago. And I remember sitting in my office with him, and this guy's an expert. He can quote at length George Washington, Ben Franklin, documents from from our founding fathers. He can just quote them and just verbatim. He never looks at the screen. He just quotes these lengthy documents that he puts up on the screen. And I I was very impressed with his mind. It's it's probably, probably the leading expert on the founding fathers and the Christian history of the United States. And I was talking to him about a simple verse in, in my office, and he looked at me like, well, that's in the Bible? And I thought, okay, here's a man that's expert in this field, but he's not an expert in all fields. And so even when you're an expert in one field, you can't know everything about every other field. And so it, it just goes to show you that the Scripture is very clear. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. He says, for if anyone supposes that he knows anything, he does not yet know as he ought to know. If anyone thinks he knows anything, this is what the King James Version says, if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Now this is coming from Paul, a very brilliant man. Very impressive in his knowledge and his understanding. But Paul is saying here, I know and I understand that I don't know everything. I've mentioned before about one of my favorite authors, a great theologian, brilliant. I think he's probably the best theologian I've ever read. And I've read, you know, 
from Puritan age to current. You know, and I've read a lot of theologies, and, and this guy is brilliant. He's still alive today. And, and he said to his students one time, he said, I think probably a third of what I believe is not true. He said, the problem is I don't know which third it is. So here's a man who's brilliant in his field and admits, I know that some things I think are not right, and so I don't know everything. Very humble attitude. As brilliant as he is, he says, I understand that I don't know everything. And Paul is saying, if anyone supposes, including himself, that he knows anything, he does not yet know as he ought to know. That same Paul said this, we know in part, we have partial knowledge. We know in part. We only have partial knowledge. And to be honest, that's an understatement, especially when you compare it to the one who knows all. I mentioned the, the immensity a few minutes ago. I mentioned the immensity of the, of the universe. Here's a, the photo that is the background. We'll just show you the photo here. And this doesn't do it justice. I wish you could see it on a better and a clearer screen. But this is a photo taken by the Hubble telescope that was trained on a, on a, what was formerly thought to be an empty spot in space near, uh, the Big Dipper. And, and, uh, for the history of humanity, they believed that this spot in space was empty. But one scientist convinced them to train the Hubble telescope on this spot for 10 days. The Hubble telescope looked at this empty spot and had its camera lens open for 10 days. They thought that was a waste of time to put it on this empty spot. And what they discovered was 3,000 galaxies that they'd never seen before. One galaxy, a gal our galaxy, is, it has billions, if not maybe 100 billion stars. So you're talking about 3,000 galaxies that each have... 100 billion stars that they'd never seen before. And this was taken on a spot so small, they say that if you took a straw outside at night and looked through the straw, that's how small the area that they were looking at. So you're talking about the entire space, and they're looking at a tiny spot the size of looking through a straw, and they see 3,000 galaxies. And suddenly, astronomers said after this, that the universe was 10 times bigger than what they had ever imagined it to be. Here's the point of this. The Bible says God names the stars. <laughs> I mean, God's, God's mind, his, his, his ability to know, to understand, is so great that you know we, we, uh, we look at 3,000 times 100 billion, can't even imagine that number in one tiny spot of the sky. That's why there's more, there's more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on the earth. And, that, and God names them all. That's how great his power and his knowledge is. Here's what Job 26, 14, one of my all-time favorite verses. Indeed, these are but the outer fringes of his ways. How faint is the whisper we hear of him but the thunder of his power, who can understand? When God is describing in the book of Job all that he did in, in his creation and his, his, his ability and his power, you know, Job, Job looks at this and he says, these are just tiny bits of God. We're just, we're just seeing the outer fringes of God. How faint 
is the whisper that we hear. Who in the world can understand his, his great power? This is what theologians call the omniscience of God. In other words, God sees all and he knows all. And no matter how smart we humans get, we will never achieve the height of God's knowledge. Here's what David said in Psalm 139, verse 6. Your knowledge is beyond my comprehension. It is so far beyond me, I am unable to reach it. That was David. Job said something similar in Job 42, verse 3. He says, I have declared without understanding things too wonderful for me to know. <laughs> I like this. Job is basically, at one point, the Bible says Job put his hand over his mouth because it's like he said, I've said too much. I've talked about stuff that I thought I knew but realized I didn't know compared to God. And this is what he's saying. I've declared without understanding things too wonderful. I've, I've said stuff that I shouldn't have been talking about because it's too, it's beyond me. And then Paul said something similar <clears throat> in uh, Romans chapter 11. Oh, how great are the riches, are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. <clears throat> As I said earlier, the answer to your toughest questions will not be found with a Google search, but it will be found in God. The Bible says that God gives us the gift of the word, a word of knowledge. That sometimes God will give us that word of knowledge that we need for that specific time and for that specific moment. We are often faced with those three words of surrender that we talked about already. I don't know. I don't know. My dad's last words. My dad's last words before he passed away. He was, just before he got out of bed, slammed beside my mom, and she asked him a question. She said, what's going to become of us? And he responded, and he said, I don't know, but I know someone who does. I don't know, but I know someone who does. At this moment, there are lots of things we don't know. I don't know what tomorrow holds, nor do you. I don't know what will happen to my children or my grandchildren. I don't know. I don't know which path to choose in a decision that I have to make. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say sometimes. I don't know, but I know someone who does. One of the best examples of this in the Scripture is Abraham's story. Remember when God appeared to him, he told Abraham, pack your things and leave your country. If at any point someone had stopped Abram's caravan and, and asked him where you headed, Abraham could have legitimately said, I don't know, because he didn't know. I don't know, but I know someone who does. Abraham didn't know, but he knew someone who did. See, God had simply said to Abraham, go to a land that I will show you. And so Abraham left. I think I've told this story. I told my son one time, Jeremiah, he was always eager to please me. We lived in a split level. We were upstairs, and his bedroom was downstairs. 
and you had to go downstairs to a landing where the front door was and then go down another stairs and I said I said all right Jeremiah listen to me carefully go downstairs and he took off I hadn't finished what I was going to tell him go downstairs to do something okay go downstairs all right come back up here let's let me finish God told Abraham Abraham go packs his bags he goes Abraham where are you going I don't know but I know someone who does at any point, Abraham, every step, he could have said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But he's going, right? Every step he could have said that. He obeyed the Lord. God, I don't know, but you know, and I trust you. All these songs we've sung about God's faithfulness. God, I don't know, but you know. And I trust you. Hebrews 11 says this, By faith Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham's a man of faith. Abraham, where are you going? I don't know. But I know someone who does. How could Abraham do that? How could Abraham leave not knowing where he was going? Can you imagine? I know, I know what... <laughs> Lori would say if I got in the car and said, all right, we packed our bags, we're going. Where are going? I don't know. I'm staying here till we do know. <laughs> I'm just saying, can you imagine that? Abraham packs up his whole family and he goes, where are you going, Abraham? I don't know. We're just, we're just obeying God. I know someone who does. Because he heard the word of the Lord and he trusted God. Now, at this moment, for all of you, whether you're facing, whatever you're facing, whatever your question is, here is your answer, or he is your answer. I don't know what to do, but I know someone who does. I don't know the direction, but I know someone who does. I don't have the answers, but I know someone who does. I don't know what tomorrow holds but I know someone who does. I don't know what will become of my family, but I know someone who does. So you want to stick close to that person, don't you? You want to stick close to the one who knows. You don't know, but you want to stick close to the person who does. Like my story in the beginning, Clyde. I'm glad Clyde was there because I didn't know, but I knew someone who did. Amen. Let's stand for a moment. <clears throat> Facing, it could be financial, it could be a sickness, it could be a decision you have to make. It could be a, a relationship, family member, your children, your grandchildren. And right now, whatever that thing is you're facing, you're, the reason you're worried about it and the reason you're concerned and anxious about it is because you don't know. You don't have any answers. So I want you just to think about that for a moment. <clears throat> and think about the God who knows everything and think about the God who, who knows you inside and out and He knows your tomorrow and He's in your tomorrow. He's there already. The Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And 
The Bible says that God is a God of the now, but also is a God of the future. And so God is already in our future. He's already in your tomorrow, working things out. So I want you to think about that God in this situation that you're facing, and the God who knows everything. And I want you just to simply say with me what my dad said many, many years ago, his last words. I want you to admit, first of all, with me, I don't know. So let's say that together. I don't know. I don't know. But I know somebody who does. But I know somebody who does. Say it one more time. I don't know, but I know somebody who does.